Uh, we've been working through this series, You Make a Life By, and, and we've, we've been talking about our big dreams, our big dreams for 2018, and, and not only just our big dreams, but the big dreams for the church. I hope that you've been praying uh, that God would reveal to, to us as a church what God wants to accomplish here. Uh, Thursday night, we, we're going to have a board meeting, and we're going to talk uh, more about God's big dream for Marysville Church of the Nazarene. And, and I hope that you'll be in prayer uh, this week and, and on Thursday night, spend some time in prayer as, as your board wrestles with what we believe and what we hope God wants to do in, in our church. And so be praying about that. But, but it's not just the big dream of a church. It's, it's the big dream of individuals and families, what, what you want to see God uh, do in your family's life. And we've been talking about how this isn't, the, the big dreams in life aren't accomplished by big events, but it's the small events in life. It's the habits of life. It, it's the day-to-day activities of life. It's the small relationships. It's the relationship with your spouse with your friends, with your neighbors, with your co-workers, that's in these relationships and these small events that big things happen. And then we've also talked about the habits of life, and we've talked about spiritual disciplines, and we've been working through spiritual disciplines in our, in our small group material, uh, John Ortberg's book, The Life You've Always Wanted. Spiritual disciplines are these things we do to feed our inner being, and Bible study, meditation, prayer, all these things are things that we do to bring God into our life, to, to know Him better. And we want to know God better, right? Amen. And so we've been talking about those kind of things. And, 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 and we've talked about how it's possible to become merely a consumer of God. In other words, consume all these things and learn all these things and nothing flow from us. And, and, and we become consumers only. And, and you see that mentality in our world. In our culture, we live in a consumer age. And it's all about me. It's all about what I can get. And that has crept over. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not being prophetic here. I'm just telling you, it's already happened. That has crept over into the church. Uh, we, we live in a very consumeristic church, and it's all about me and what, what the church does for me and what I can get from the church. And, and God is all about what I can get from God and what he can do in my life. And, and God wants us to see things different, that it's not about what we receive from God, but it's about how God can flow through us. That, that somehow we, we are not merely consumers of God, but we're conduits, we're pipes, and, and God can flow through us. And, and, and to me... As I, as I think about what holiness is, holiness is not me on my own doing these things, but holiness is God flowing through me and people seeing God in my life. And so we've been talking about that, and we, we, we've talked about how spiritual disciplines must be embodied, and, and we've been exploring different ways spiritual disciplines can be embodied and how do we embody spiritual disciplines. And we, we've talked about Sabbath, and we've talked about thanksgiving and praise. And, and last week we talked about forgiveness. And next week we're going to talk about service. And this week we're going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about money. And everybody said, amen, praise the Lord. Pastors are going to talk about money. And so just as an illustration, I, I've got a fresh $50 bill. Harold Green has like hundreds of them uh, stuffed away in his pockets. Uh, I've got this fresh $50 bill. And it's, it's, it's just freshly been printed. No, it's not been printed uh, by us. And the first thing we're going to learn is, you know, you want to know how you double your money? Look at that. It's doubled, okay? This, this $50 is completely immoral. 
Meaning it's neither good nor bad. Money in of itself is not good. It is not bad. It is simply a resource. And we all need money. Everyone in this room needs money. If you don't need money, raise your hand, okay? We, we all need money. We need to buy, uh, we need a place to live. We need food to eat. We need clothes to wear. And if you're thankful for clothes to wear, say amen. We're thankful for them. Money is a resource. That's all it is. And, and you know, it, it, it would be interesting if this $50 bill could talk. Where it's been what it's done, who it's been with. It's simply a resource. It's our view of money that matters. Our perception of money that matters. It's not money itself, but it's how we view and react to the resource of money. So the question today is, what's your attitude towards money? When you think about money, what is the attitude of your heart? And, you know, anytime you talk about these things, you know, there's people thinking, well, is pastor talking to me? I have no clue. Uh, You know, I I, I don't, there's nobody picked out that I'm thinking about in this message. So everybody take a sigh of relief. Just go, he's not talking to me, Okay. I'm not talking to you, but God may be talking to you, okay? <laughs> uh, let, let's get that out of the way. It's not something that I've got a pet peeve that I'm trying to, to, to pick here. But what's your attitude towards money? The, the first, and there's several wrong attitudes, and the first wrong attitude is all I have, I've earned. It's my hard work, it's what I've done, it's mine. It's my money, my bank account. It's nobody's business. It's not this silly pastor's business, what I do with my money. It's not God's money, God's business, what I do with my money. I've earned it. It's my time. It's my energy. It's my intelligence. Early on in the Bible, we have this great story, and Israel is going into the promised land. And, and, and God is giving them the promised land. And, and at the very beginning of them going to the promised land, God says, you know, you're going to go into this land, and you're going to possess it, and you're going to say, we did this. This is all about me. And you're going to forget that it's the Lord your God that has delivered you and placed you in this land. You know how God wants you to perceive your money? He wants us to see money as a gift from him, something that he has given to you. James says it like this. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. Every dollar in your account, every dollar that you've ever earned, everything that you own is a gift from your heavenly Father. The second wrong attitude is money is all that matters. <laughs> Maybe, um, anybody ever know anybody that's stingy? If you're sitting at them, don't, don't nudge them. My them, don't nudge them. You ever know anybody that, you know, when, when money comes out of their wallet, it blinks at the light, you know? Uh, we, we've all known people like that. And this isn't a poor and, or rich issue. 
I've seen poor people that were stingier than rich people, and I've seen rich people that were stingy as well. This isn't a poor or a rich issue. This is a heart issue that could infect anyone. I can remember I had a roommate in, in college. My, my, my first semester of college, we changed. I changed roommates pretty soon after, but uh, I, I, I broke my finger or I dislocated my finger, and I had to go to the hospital, and the hospital was all of three miles from the campus, and uh, Randy, I don't remember Randy's last name, drove me to the hospital so I could have emergency surgery on my hospital, on my finger, then br brought me home, and then he asked for gas money for taking me to the hospital. <laughs> I pray daily for Randy and those he loves. You know, we, we've known stingy people, people, people that, that it's all about the money. And that, that you see this attitude that I, I've got to have it. And, and, and you've got to work every hour. And you've got you've to get it any way you can. It's been like retro the last few, few weeks. I, I, and I don't know what's going on, but it's all these things from the past. That they're, 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 I see there was a thing on Waco, Texas, on uh, David Koresh. There's been a bunch of uh, things on TV, and I've seen all sorts of, you know, there was a thing on OJ. And, and then I remember the, the Menendez brothers. Do you remember the Menendez brothers? Now, I haven't seen theirs yet, but I'm sure it'll come out. And, and what did they do? They, they killed their parents for money. They wanted, they wanted their inheritance. You know, I've, I've often wondered if I were to take like a bunch of money and just throw it out here, <laughs> how many of you would beat each other senseless to get to that money? I, yeah, I've got some hands from the Green family. <laughs> you know, we laugh about that, but, but hear this. <laughs> it's possible to lose your life and earning your living. It's possible to lose your life and earning your living. It's possible to kill every relationship that matters to you and earning your living. Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Sometimes we see money as our security. Um, and, and, I, and this is a subtle one. And I think most of us, you know, look at 401ks and retirement plans and see what's in the bank account and you try to figure out what's due and what you have. And, and you know, that, that's, that's part of being a, a wise person. I, you know, I, I'm not advocating that we don't ever think about those kind of things, but... But when those things become our security, when my life is determined and my security is determined not by trusting in God, but in trusting in my bank account, then I've missed it. Jesus talks about this in, in the Sermon on the Mount and Matthew 6, 25, 34. He says, and I love this passage. I don't know, for, for whatever reason, this passage, I, I've taught and we've spoken from this. I think we use this Wednesday night in our Bible study, we talked about this. But Jesus says, For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your, for your body as to what you will put on. It's not life more than food, 
and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. (laughs) I guess that resonates with me because I think that's where we live. You know, we're consumed with yesterday and we're consumed with tomorrow. And Jesus invites us, and it's an invitation to peace, to live today knowing that our God will take care of today and tomorrow, that we can trust him. Now I do, I need a volunteer. Eric, why don't you come up here? Uh, Eric? I'm going to give you this $50. It's yours, okay? But hold on. I want you to listen to me first, okay? You can take it out of my hand. You can take it out of my hand. There you go. Okay. That $50 is yours. And I want you, I want you to take that, and I want you to bless your family. I, I, want you, I want you to go out to eat. I want you to enjoy it. I, I want you to, you know, whatever you need it for. I mean, you know, if you guys go out to eat this afternoon, I think that's great. But on top of that, I want you to take part of that, and I want you to bless somebody else, Okay? Enjoy it, but bless someone else. Can you do that for me? I can do that. All right. All right. You You guys are just clapping because you're hoping I'm having more 50s. (laughs) That is what God has done for you. Do, Do you understand? That is what God has done for us. God has blessed us with resources. And and God is not stingy. God is saying, use it for your family. I I want you to bless your family. I want you to enjoy life. I want you to eat. I want you to have a place to live. I want you to have clothing. God has blessed us with resources. And all he asks is for us to give part of it back in generosity. Now, Now, I believe, I believe that begins with the habit of tithing. I believe in storehouse tithing. I, I, I believe it's biblical. I, I believe it's how God intends to, to support his church. I, I believe is what God has in mind for all of us. Storehouse tithing is, is, is biblical, and it's, it's how our church functions. It's, it's how God fund, funds the mission of this church. And it's a habit that leads us to generosity. Now, now there's several things that we can um, see about tithing that I want us to see as we, as we move through this, this um, sermon. First is this. Tithing isn't really giving. It's about returning. 
In other words, when we tithe, it's, it's not that, that, that God is, okay, I want you to give something that, that, that is yours to me. It is simply returning to God a part of what he's given to us. And tithing is used to continue God's redemptive mission through his church. Um, you know, I believe in the church. I believe in this local church. And, 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 and we need to understand that, that the church was not established in the mind of man, but the church was established in the mind of God to continue his mission. God has always moved and will always move, it looks like, in, in this world through a group of people. And the church is that group. And so just as God moved through the people of Israel in the Old Testament, he moves to the church in our age, and the tithe is the way that God supports that mission. Now, we used to sing a song, um, Glorious Church. You remember, it's a glorious church. And I love that song. Don't, don't get me wrong, but part of that song is that it's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. <laughs> And I think about that, and I don't think I've been to many churches where there weren't some spots and wrinkles. Um, that, that, that God uses churches with spots and wrinkles. He uses people with spots and wrinkles. I, I saw this sign on Facebook. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, this church really needs to think about what they're putting on their sign. We love hurting people. Uh, you know, churches can have flaws, but, but, but tithing resources the mission of God being accomplished through this church. With our, with our spots and with our wrinkles, with, with our incompleteness, with, with our imperfections, with our flaws, God still uses us as a church and he uses you as people. And tithing accomplishes that mission. It allows us to be the people in the church that God intends us to be. Now, I always address this when I talk about tithing because it's, it's the classic argument that you hear, well, tithing was Old Testament. Well, I, I always struggle when somebody tells me something is an Old Testament principle and, and somehow it's, it's not a principle in the New Testament because every Old Testament principle is not reduced but expounded upon in the New Testament. And so fine, if you want to say tithing's an Old Testament principle, then Jesus usually goes beyond the Old Testament and the New. Amen. You know, what's the Old Testament principle? Murder. And what's the New Testament principle? Don't even hate. But Jesus talks about tithing. In Matthew 23, 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, and you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. In other words, what they were doing is that they would have their little, their little spice garden, and they were so legalistic about the tithe that they made sure that they would give a tenth of what they grew in their, their window spice garden. And Jesus says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, Jesus doesn't say, oh, tithing doesn't matter. Jesus says, do your tithing, but make sure your heart's right. See, tithing is a tangible faith statement. We talk about Sabbath. In Sabbath, we say, life does not depend on me, but it depends on God. And, and tithing, in a lot of ways, is a similar thing. Tithing is giving part of my income, knowing that God will stretch and use the rest of my income in a more effective way. 
Tithing is saying, my money does not belong to me, but it belongs to you, God. All these things happen in the habit of tithing. I keep using that word habit. See, tithing is the habit. Generosity is the goal. And the habit of tithing, this moves us towards generosity, where, where we begin to, to let go of the, try to have money let go of the hold it has on us. And it moves us to the spirit of generosity where we're freely sharing what God has given to us. You know, it's possible that you're stuck in the habit. It's possible you're stuck in the habit and you're not seeing that God wants to move you to more. And I'm not saying, oh, you need to give more to the church. I'm saying you need to be more generous in generally how you handle your money. And then the habit of tithing, when it's done with the right attitude, it changes our perspective of money and the resources that God's given us. And instead of the world and its money and its values having a hold of us, we allow God to take hold of our heart and we begin to see money as simply a resource God has blessed us with that we can bless others with. Yes, yes. See, tithing moves us towards generosity. Robert Morris has a book called The Blessed Life. And in, in that book, he says this. He says, tithing is what God wants for me, not from me. <laughs> Can you say that with me? Tithing is what God wants for me, not from me. This isn't about God needing your money. It's not about the church needing your money. It's about your heart. And money, unfortunately, fortunately, money is one of those things that, uh, uh, where our treasure lies. And so tithing is, is not something that God wants from you, but it's something that God wants to do within you to create within you a generous spirit. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each, must, each one must do as, just as he has pur purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So how do we close this service? I guess I could take an offering, but I don't think we're going to do that. Uh, you know, there's, there's many ways you can give. If you have questions about tithing, if you have any questions, you, you can ask me, you can ask Harold Green about that. Uh, I, I've often said, and I'll say it again, uh, if, if you somehow think that this is a ploy just to get money for the church, then give to another church. Uh, you know, I, I trust God enough to say that, that, that it, it's not about um, the church. It's, it's about your heart. And, and I believe tithing is a discipline that many people need to incorporate in their life. And I think if you do, you'll find that God will bless you in your giving. 
So, so giving is the is a response. We're not going to take another offering. There's many ways you can give in our church. We we have giving online. We we receive an offering every every Sunday morning. There's a there's a, a gift a, a contribution box in the back of the sanctuary. And I'm thinking, Harold, probably in the next couple of weeks there'll be some more contribution boxes. If you have any questions about online giving or anything like that or or anything about this message, you feel free to ask me, email me, test me, text me, or or call me. We'll even talk face to face if you would like. And, uh, and then the back of the sanctuary, there's a little booklet called What Happens When I Give. And I'd encourage you to, to take one per family and read through that and just, um, just consider uh, what God does when we give to him faithfully. Uh, Pastor Bob's going to come and close us in prayer. And so, Bob.